I'm your host, Tim, and this is the show that makes you question the very reality that you live in. Conversations After Dark. Gibson back with $20 bill. On we are some weird shit there, man. There's a dude sitting in the bushes, man. Does he have a gun? I don't know, man. I don't know. What? What? Red team, go. Red team, go. Who's the only one here who knows the illegal ninja moves from the government? This one gang kept wanting me to join because I'm pretty good with the bow staff. Uh-oh, retard alert! Retard alert, class! Welcome to my dark and twisted mind. Hi, I'm Fiona from Love My Lifestyle. I'm a mum, wife, author, coach, mentor, tennis extraordinaire, and motorsport enthusiast, and a digital lifestyle entrepreneur. I used to work in the automotive and insurance industries and became burnt out, working seven days a week, sometimes 16 hours a day. I had no time for family, friends or hobbies, so I went searching for something, no clue what that was. I stumbled across a tiny ad on Google and figured I'd take a chance. I discovered the world of digital business way back in 2009 and have never looked back. Today, I speak with savvy, professional women from all over the world, big thinkers, highly motivated, success-driven, and looking to utilize their skill set to work for them and have a passion for personal growth. If you too are looking to break free of the corporate grind and instead focus your energies and talents on building a global online enterprise that can give you the freedom and flexibility to love your lifestyle too, then head on over to lovemylifestyle.com.au forward slash podcorn, that's P-O-D-C-O-R-N, register your details, and I'll personally be in touch for an interview. It could be a total game changer for you too. Look forward to speaking with you soon. Hello. Hey, Timothy. How you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing good. Can you hear me well? I can hear you pretty well, yeah. Okay. Um, so we can go ahead and get started whenever you're ready and bring it in. Like we're coming in from like a commercial break or whatever. And then we'll go from there. All right. Great. All right. Welcome to another episode of conversation after dark folks. I'm your host, Tim. Tonight we have special guest, Mike Wellich. He is known for his work in the Bay in the jury room and now the viral delusion. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. I'm, um, I'm happy to be on your show. Thanks for uh, talking to me. Well, we greatly appreciate you being on here. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, where they can find your work at? Oh, man. Um, Sure. So, I mean, I don't know where to start in talking about uh, myself, but um, the uh, I think the thing that people might find really interesting and uh, really helpful to them is the documentary series um, that I just... uh, um had a uh, hand in uh, creating um called the viral delusion and um it's really um I, I i it's such an incredible story i i can't believe that um i was um uh, really part of of uh making it um available to people and i really hope that people check it out um we we interviewed uh 
a number of doctors and scientists who looked really carefully at the uh, at the actual scientific papers that the entire pandemic was based on, and um, and and revealed that these papers are actually just pseudoscience. They're 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 junk. The science is 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 unbelievably bad, and. Um, a lot of these doctors and scientists began asking themselves the question, how did this come to be? How did it come to be that, um, that the whole world got shut down for um, uh, justifications that aren't real? I mean, not even the science, it, 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 none of it's real. And they, you know, it was, it was a lot of soul searching from these doctors and scientists trying to figure it out. Um, some of them, um, had been through this kind of thing before in their careers on a smaller scale. And um, so they actually knew a tremendous amount of history. And some of them were, were new and were diving into the history. Um, so what we do is we go back and we look at uh, the whole history of um, how modern medicine has responded to um, infectious disease. Um, and we, we look at what a myth the whole thing is, because that's what these doctors and scientists discovered uh, or, or had already discovered and really wanted to get the word out about. Uh, was it not just the pandemic uh, that was based on, you know, total scientific junk? I mean, just junk. And, but, but not just the pandemic today, but really the whole history of, of, um, of virology and the whole history of, of modern medicine talking about chronic disease. So uh, we go back and we look and we go all the way back to the plague and we look at, uh, you know, what, you know, the Orthodox modern medicine has to say about the plague, about smallpox, um, about the Spanish flu. And we reveal that it's all junk. And um, it's really, it's an incredible story. Um, you know, I'm not like a, I don't come from a, a, you know, super strong science background. Um, so, you know, I had to take a lot of time, really uh, make sure that I had gone over everything 15 times uh, to understand it, make sure that it was correct. Uh, but once, once the coin drops, once you understand what's going on, it's, it's mind blowing and, and anybody can understand it. So, um, you know, there's a veil of techno babble that, you know, walls off um, these scientific institutions from you or me. And, you know, if you pick up a virology paper, um, at first glance, you're gonna go, I don't know, it looks like, you know, Latin, and it's just gonna be totally overwhelming. You're not gonna understand what the hell they're saying. And I've come to believe that that's actually, that's on purpose. Um, science in and of itself, is, uh, is a human endeavor. It's something that uh, anybody, anybody should be able to understand. Uh, and the reason that the language has gotten so complex, if you ask me, now that I've learned how to decode it, is to wall off any inquiries and any serious um, conversation about what's really going on. And um, that's the conversation that we're trying to instigate uh, with the viral delusion. And, um, you know, hopefully we can have a little bit of that today. Um, but uh, I've already talked your ear off. So uh, 
you know, there we go. And, and I definitely have plenty of questions for you. Um, so how hard was it for you to find this information and to get these doctors to actually come forward and talk about this? Because I know that uh, the government is trying to push the narrative of, of the virus. So how were you able to get people to actually speak out against that? Well, you know, the information's right there in the public. I mean, that's what's so astounding about the whole thing. Um, the, 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 these virology papers are, they're there. They're, they're in the Lancet, they're in Nature, they're in, you know, various different medical journals where you can just, you know, you could just go and grab them and read them. And uh, so on that level, the information is, is right. It's as easy to get as almost anything else. Um, then there's learning how to understand the papers. Um, you know, so when they say, oh, we put this in, you know, modified Eagles medium and then, you know, and then we, uh, took an electron micrograph and then we purified it. Like, what does all that really mean? Like what's actually going on? So learning how to decode these papers, um, that, uh, that took me some time. It would take anyone some time, but it's not impossible. Um, and the doctors and scientists who do that in the viral delusion, these guys were just dying, dying for somebody to come and talk to them because they were sitting on, you know, a powder keg of information, but no mainstream news source wanted anything to do with them. Um, they, the, you know, they, there's been such incredible censorship over the last three years but it's, it, it's not just, you know, censoring stories. It's also refusing to report on stories. So you have, you know, 30 year, 40 year career biochemists who are trying to speak out about this and who, you know, nobody will interview them in the mainstream press. So, you know, I'm a filmmaker. I've been writing movies for Hollywood for a long time. I had never done a documentary before I realized Nobody was going to tell this story unless I just picked up a camera and started telling it. And um, I didn't know if anybody was going to call me back. I was really nervous. Um, so when people started calling me back, I was really excited. And pretty soon I realized that um, actually all of these incredible doctors and scientists, they were just dying to talk. So it actually became pretty easy after a while. And, and at the end of the day, um, you know, we made a seven and a half hour documentary series and there were tons of people that I had to leave on the cutting room floor because we just couldn't squeeze them in. And there were so many people that wanted to speak out. Um, so, you know, once you open uh, the door and, and, and let all of these incredible voices in, you discover it's just it's an ocean of people. Okay, well, um what about in Hollywood? Did you get any pushback from any of the film companies or anything for you uh, trying to speak the truth and get the truth out there to the people? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's the same story. You know, I, I reached out to tons of distributors and, you know, nobody wanted to touch it. Nobody wanted to touch the story. And, and I mean, when you look at the feedback that we've gotten, I mean, you know, go to the viraldelusion.com and check out you know, the, the kind of feedback we're getting, it's like phenomenal, you know, go to, uh, you know, we, we, the only distributor to pick us up was iconic, uh, iconic.com, which is uh, David Ike's streaming service. And, um, you know, again, look at the comments on uh, when people watch the series, they're like, 
you know, they're like, this is mind blowing. This is unbelievable. Like how, how come everybody hasn't seen this? And the reason is, you know, all these distributors one by one by one, they, no, they don't want to touch it. And I mean, even if, you know, you discover all sorts of things like, you know, Gaia positions themselves as this kind of like, um, you know, alternative, you know, we're, we're going to tell all sorts of stories that, that the mainstream press doesn't No, They're actually owned by a big corporation and they don't want to touch it. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of big uh, distributors and even small distributors that, that uh, they just got scared. And um, that's the kind of, scientific fascism that we're living under which is that you know pseudoscience can be walled off behind these castles and then sent up you know to the turret at which point uh you know the entire uh society uh becomes scared because these ideas have been weaponized against everybody and nobody will nobody will challenge them or very few people will challenge them so i mean uh Hollywood had exactly the response that I thought they were going to have, which is we, we don't even want to talk about. It. Oh, I'm sure you've met a lot of resistance because I know that they for sure have been running some psyops on this, on this whole SARS thing. Oh, I mean, big time. Like, I mean, not only that, I'm, I still have a, a leg in, you know, regular Hollywood. So at the same time that I'm making this documentary, I'm getting emails from you know this group called the Creative Coalition, which um, is a very uh, um, kind of networked uh, group, you know, talking about how they're you know all these different opportunities for you if you come out and you know participate in the mainstream chorus narrative about what's going on, you know, and get tell everybody to wear masks and get the shot and you know all this really really harmful stuff. And um, they, but, you know, that, that, you know, you, you would be rewarded with um, all sorts of network connections and um, opportunities, uh, even money. Um, but, you know, for a free debate or an open conversation or to actually challenge the narrative, obviously there were no, uh, there, there was nothing, you know, nothing like that. And anybody who tried to do it, there was just nowhere to, there was nowhere to go and, and, and tell that story. So, um, you know, I mean, YouTube, I put the, I put the trailer up for the doc series on YouTube. Uh, it was gone within three hours. I think, you know, their AI system had already like tagged it and shut it down. So, um, yeah, but that's just kind of the world we're living in. And, uh, you know, we just got to deal with it. So for the sake of our listeners and, and me, because I'm not very bright, can you break down exactly what you mean when you say pseudoscience? Um, sure. I mean, I'll just Google it. I'll just Google the word pseudoscience for you right now, because it's exactly what's going on. Um, a collection of beliefs or practices mistakenly regarded as being based on the scientific method. Okay. A collection of beliefs or practices mistakenly regarded as being based on the scientific method. So that's exactly what we have on a scale, I think that most people probably can't even imagine, at least I never imagined. Um, I've been doing medical history. Uh, I've been researching medical history for a good 10, 12 years at this point, uh, just as a hobby. And um, even, I, I, it, it blew my mind when I really, it still blows my mind when I get to the depth of, of 
the degree to which that's true. So people think that um, generally, and I don't want to speak for anyone, but I think there's a general conception out there that um, viruses have been proven to exist by the scientific method, right? Um, yeah. that, that, that's, that's a generally, that's a commonly held belief. That's completely not true. Hundred percent not true. Well, that's that's what I was taught when I was in school. Was, yeah, was that same sure. belief? That's I mean, they've been pushing that narrative for years. For years, they've been pushing it since nineteen, you know, I, I mean, then since the nineteen fifties, uh, even a little bit before that. But um, you know, this this conception of viruses is it's not based on the scientific method. It's not based on any science in which the scientific method was used, which means it's pseudoscience. It's based on pointing and declaring uh, and um, basically circular reasoning. Uh, when you read these, these papers, you realize that once you understand what they're actually doing, that the so-called science behind it wouldn't pass the rigor of a seventh grade science fair. If you did the equivalent experiment that is the foundational experiment in virology, which is called the cytopathic effect experiment. You wouldn't, you, you wouldn't, you'd get an F in your seventh grade science project because it, it doesn't have a control on it. And the scientific method demands a control. You have to control for your experiment. You have to control for your variables, but there's, there's no controls on those variables. So, it's, it's blatantly obvious. Not only are there no controls on these, on these experiments when they do them, but people throughout history have run the control experiment on the cytopathic effect experiment, and they've shown that it, it, it invalidates the conclusions that virologists draw. So I know that all sounded like a lot of like really abstract scientific uh, lingo, but um, if you just think to yourself, what is the scientific method where you, you're going to isolate an independent variable, you're going to have a dependent variable, and you're going to see if the independent variable caused the dependent variable, right? That's just your basic scientific method that we all learned in middle school. None, not one single paper in the history of virology has ever lived up to that standard, that basic, simple standard. What we saw is the rise of pseudoscience as an institutional army that generated scientific garbage that was useful for the medical cartels. And by creating this idea of a virus and implanting it in people's minds uh, going back, you know, really fundamentally to the 1950s, um, that's when it really sort of took off um, th that so deeply that it, it became just, you know, like, like apple pie, like, you know, it's just one of those things. There's just viruses out there. Everybody knows that, right? That was, it's just accepted. Well, it's actually total nonsense. And it, these experiments have been disproven over and over and over again. Um, so, uh, you know, we could talk about it in a lot of different ways, but I mean, one of the simplest ways to understand it is by looking at polio. 
that was uh, you know claimed to be a, a virus, right? Um, but if you actually look at the history of polio, why did people uh, suddenly see their 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 babies and their children becoming paralyzed? Um, the answer is not that they discovered a virus that caused this. They never discovered a virus that caused polio, never. They just declared that there was such a thing as a virus that caused polio. What they actually discovered historically is that there was the use of a new chemical compound called organophosphates that, that began uh, to be used heavily at the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, and these organophosphates caused the deterioration of the anterior horn, which is the, the back of the spine. Um, and it, it's very clear. If you, you see them used at early tanneries in Massachusetts and right around those tanneries where they were dumping these organophosphates in the river, you would see children uh, becoming paralyzed because they were either drinking that river water or they were drinking the milk from cows that were drinking that water. And when these organophosphates are combined with the fat from milk, uh, they become uh, much, much, much more dangerous. So, you know, we, we could even go back and see the first reports of polio uh, where it's very clear. I mean, the, 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 the medical investigators are saying, yeah, this is not contagious. This is not being spread by anything. This is definitely some kind of poisoning. And then we see doctors like Ralph Scobie uh, and uh, Morton Biskind who uh, make the case very clearly in the 1940s. And they say, look, the rise of, of childhood paralysis is obviously, obviously linked to the rise of the use of these organophosphates, the most famous one being DDT. Um, there's, there's no question about it. You can look at it at all sorts of different aspects of the childhood paralysis. Um, and it's, it's, you know, not only happening in the exact places where these organophosphates are being uh, used or sprayed, it's happening uh, directly after these things are being sprayed. So, you know, for example, they'd be sprayed in the spring and then the children would get sick in the summer, but, you know, children wouldn't get sick uh, uh, in the winter at all from polio. There's just, they've never had a, a a way to explain that from the viral paradigm. And there's, you know, there's tons of books about it. I mean, there's a great book called DDT, um, uh, Polio, Toxicology versus Virology. I mean, and this guy, author Jim West, who we interviewed him, he knocks it out of the park. He, if you read that, you know, or if you read the, 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 uh, the Moth and the Iron Lung, or you read uh, Dr. Suzanne Humphrey's Dissolving Illusions, you'll walk away, uh, knowing for, for a fact that these organophosphates are the obvious cause of, uh, of polio. Um, I mean, it was ex completely accepted, for example, in veterinary medicine, that the reason the baby cows were becoming paralyzed was the use of these chemicals. But uh, it, was, you know, it was considered anathema to say that uh, the children, those same children on those same farms were getting sick from these chemicals that were being used. That was Literally, it was just too much. It was too much politically. It was too laden. So uh, we see the rise of, um, uh, of this idea that there's this mythical other thing out there. It can't be 
the fact that we sprayed the country with more DDT than we, than we, you know, dropped Agent Orange in Cambodia or Vietnam. It can't be that we're mass poisoning our children by uh, putting uh, DDT on the wallpaper of, of um, babies' rooms or, or spraying children, uh, you know, after they go in the swimming pool, literally just spraying them directly with DDT. This, that, that can't be the reason. I mean, imagine what the consequences would be if that, if that had been understood by the public. Uh, you know, the Dow Chemical, the biggest, most powerful chemical companies in the world, which of course are owned by the, you know, the medical cartels, which, you know, I mean, the, 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 the Dow, the chemical pharmaceutical cartels, and, and, and we could talk about the history of that. But, you know, if these had been understood by the public to be causing the, the poisoning of, of people's babies, uh, that's, 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 that's lava, you know, that's very, very hot stuff. So uh, is it any surprise that we saw the rise of pseudoscience to divert uh, the public's attention away from these issues? Not really, once you understand it. But um, the, the sad fact is that we've now been so indoctrinated for 75 years into this mythology that uh, this is what I'm saying is actually news to a lot of people. And it's, it used to be common sense. Um, I know that the debate, debate between toxicology and virology has been going on since the early 19th century, late 1800s. But now people are really starting to question it with the emergence of COVID. And from what I understand, they never actually had a SARS-2 virus in their possession from a sick patient. They had never, they'd never been able to have, and they've never been able to actually isolate the SARS, the so-called SARS-CoV-2 virus. Never, not once. There's nowhere on the planet where somebody's got a vial of just SARS-CoV-2. Nowhere. It's never happened. Okay. Now, there are many places where people claim to have that. But if you actually look at the methodology of how they claim to have that, you realize they don't, they don't have it. So, um, you know, it's like saying, oh, I've, I've, you know, isolated caffeine from coffee, you know, well, that's been done. I mean, you know, you cannot, you could separate the caffeine from coffee. You can actually get that. You can't actually, nobody's ever in the history of virology ever actually found and isolated a virus. And, you know, there's an activist named Christine Massey, um, who, you know, when she heard about this story, she began writing letter FOIA, FOIA requests to government institutions and universities uh, that receive government grants saying, hey, um, writing them letters saying, uh, please, uh, you know, send to me all information, you know, you have in regards to do you have an isolated SARS-CoV-2? And, um, you know, she's received hundreds of responses now from every major scientific institution in the world saying, no, we actually don't have it. And she repeatedly wrote to the CDC to the point where they actually wrote back and they, 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 they finally admitted, they said, listen, 
what you're asking for, which is the isolated variable, right? Remember, go back to your scientific method, which is that you have to have an independent variable that's been isolated and then a dependent variable. So whatever effect you want to test to see, like, what is, what does that thing do? What is, you know, what does the virus do? You want to do research on a virus? You have to get a virus. You have to find a virus. You have to isolate it. And then you see, does it make a does it make a rat sick? Does it make a mouse sick? Does it make a monkey sick? What, how, in what way does it make you sick? But first you have to have the thing. Well, every scientific institution, major institution in the world has admitted they don't actually have it. And as I was saying, the CDC actually finally wrote back and they said, it's simply not possible within the bounds of virology to isolate a virus. So they, they've admitted they, they actually, they don't even think it's possible, which is essentially an admission that the entire field is pseudoscience. And um, it's, it, 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 that, <laughs> when that drops, that should send massive reverberations around the world. But actually, you know, it's like a tree falling in a forest. If no media institutions are listening, um, it just doesn't matter. So, so if they never had an isolated COVID-2 virus, then how were they able to make a vaccine? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, 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 makes, it makes you question, what, what's the real motive behind all of this? Um, is it to put us, to control us through fear or to make the pharmaceutical companies money? I mean, that's, that's what the real question is. What is the reasoning behind it? And you know, I, I appreciate you bringing this information to us. It's, it's really good information. I watched the documentary and I recommend it to anybody. Definitely amazing stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's an incredible story. Um, I think people should, um, if they're interested, check out the doc um, and then go research it for themselves. You know, listen to the, the, the various voices that are on there check it out, you know, go find the, go find the papers, go find the scientific papers, read them, you know, talk to people about it, have conversations about it, because this has got to happen from the ground up. Uh, what we need is a real, you know, intellectual revolution in this country um, where people um, are become savvy enough that, that uh, they can't be lied to anymore. Um, they, they can't be misled. Um, I don't think these virologists are aware of how indoctrinated they are. I mean, I don't think they're any different than like a 14th century priest who believed in uh, demons and who was just raised to believe that, oh, yeah, of course, demons exist. And, and by the way, I'm not even saying demons don't exist, but I'm just trying to draw a metaphor um, that, that, uh, they didn't, you know, they're not questioning. I know virologists. I mean, I, I, I have friends in the field. I have friends who were doctors um, who had, they, they had no, they're working with blinders on. So they're, they're, they don't look left or right to understand what the context of their information is. Where did it come from? Um, what the whole background is on everything. Uh, because they're, what's happened is, a whole massive infrastructure of pseudoscience has been built around the world and it self generates, it self propels itself. Um, and people are 
grist for the mill. I mean, you know, people are being killed by these products uh, now left and right. I mean, I have more than 10 people in my, uh, you know, immediate friends and family network that have died. 10, more than 10 I mean, in the last six months. So, you know, people are, are you know, giving their bodies up to this machine. Um, you know, why? Why are they doing it? What's behind it? Again, that's like a whole other conversation, um, which we can have. I don't have as clear answers to that because at least in virology, uh, they, they have to publish their papers in order to uh, communicate with each other and to pull off um, a scientific scam of this level. There has to be a kind of institutional um, openness. So anybody can go and grab and read these papers um, and then begin to understand it. Um, but, you know, in terms of what, what their motives are, um, and I'm not talking about the day-to-day -day scientists. The day-to-day -day scientists are just trying to get their grants re-upped. They're trying to have a career as, you know, um, a geneticist or, a, you know, molecular biologist, or, you know, they're trying to get that professorship or, or just, you know, they want to save the world and they believe in the paradigm. They've never questioned the paradigm. And, but, you know, what's really behind these guys, you know, as, as some people have pointed out, they could have simply rolled out a placebo, a placebo vaccine that was just empty, right? And they would have been loved and adored by the world because, you know, you, you very easily could have shown a placebo effect, which is uh, greater than um, the effect which they actually showed with their garbage vaccine in which, you know, um, in, in the vaccine group, in the, in the, in the Pfizer study, uh, more people died in the vaccine group than died in the placebo group. So, uh, and then they went ahead and of course, you know, urged everybody to take this toxic garbage. But uh, if they only wanted to make money, they could have just, you know, put a bunch of saline solution in there and called it you know, the miracle vax and shot everybody up with it. They would have had no side effects. They would have had, you know, a little bump in people's health because everybody was excited to get their, their jab. And they would have, make, they would have made a bajillion dollars. Um, so I actually think there's obviously a financial incentive to, to, to what happened. I mean, we're talking about a trillion dollar economy here. I mean, it just dwarfs almost everything else uh, out there. Um, you know, the medical field now eats up about 20% of the American economy. Um, it's just massive and what they're doing is massive. So obviously there's a huge financial stake, but um, I do think that there are other things involved. Uh, obviously there's um, a lot of mistaken thinking uh, because there's a lot of scientists and doctors who participate in this uh, garbage without understanding what they're really doing. Um, 99.99999% of doctors don't, uh, really, you know, investigate the methodology sections of the scientific papers that they're, um, uh, that are, th that, that are the justification for what they're doing. If they did, they would never participate in it. Um, but, but I, I do think I, I, there's a darker agenda at work. Um, and, uh, it's, it's hard to nail down exactly what it is, man. I mean, 
you know, they're not, they're not open about that. Okay. Well, if they never had an isolated COVID-2 virus to make the vaccine, then what is actually in the vaccine? Do we actually know? No, we don't know. It's illegal. It's illegal to even, it's illegal to even uh, do any biochemical analysis of what's in the, what's in the uh, shots. It's literally illegal. If you try, you'll go, you'll be arrested. You'll be taken to jail. So there's a, there's a lot of labs that don't want to, um, that don't want to do that. Uh, they don't, they don't want to try to biochemically analyze uh, what's in these things. Um, it's, it's very hard to say. I mean, we know that, that um, at, at a minimum, we know that there's, there's, uh, you know, pegs, which is uh, polyethylene glycol, I think. And uh, we know that pegs are incredibly dangerous to the human body. Um, it's like, you know, they're tiny little, tiny little pieces of plastic that will lodge inside your tissue. And um, once they're lodged there, uh, it's very, very, very hard for the body to get it out. Um, most, most of the peg will be flushed out of your body immediately within the first couple of days. But some of it, um, some of it may not. And, and if it does get lodged in there, um, yeah, it's a recipe for all sorts of disease, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, myocarditis or, or cancer or um, inflammation. Um, I mean, cause just, there's just a lot of things that can go wrong when you have tiny little pieces of plastic stuck inside and throughout your body. Um, but that's just, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there's a lot of research that talks about graphene being in there. Uh, graphene being a, a new uh, metal that was um, essentially invented about 15 years ago. Um, so there's a lot of people who believe that there's uh, graphene in there. Um, I think it's more than likely um, and we have a long, 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 long history of um, heavy metals being uh, put into uh, so-called vaccines and injected into people. Um, and graphene has all sorts of new properties, magnetic properties. And, you know, um, uh, you know, we're seeing all sorts of weird stuff. I mean, you, you know, you see stuff out there with people having Mac addresses and stuff when they show up next to a... Uh, next to something that can register that um people who, who are magnetic and whatnot i mean uh the, but the truth is we don't know we don't know what's in there and um i don't know if we'll ever know well that's crazy to think that people would just line up and just let them put whatever into their body without even asking why or what it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know it's it's totally nuts, but uh, it's like, you know, it's Jonestown, you know, we're seeing everybody uh, just uh, jump the shark here and, um, and participate in this. And as I said, I mean, um, I, I, I have a long list of people I know who, who, who've done this to themselves uh, and who've come down with very serious problems, uh, you know, including, of course, death. Um, and uh, I, I don't think we're not through the woods on this at all. I mean, you know, um, people have seen the you know insurance companies talking about forty percent rises in mortality rates among their um, their like first class customers. So the, the, their healthiest customers are now seeing a forty percent rise in death. Uh, we're seeing disability go through the roof. Uh, we're seeing overall mortality numbers going up. And I mean, just think about your own life and. Um, I, you know, how many people have told you 
in the last uh, year or two years that, um, you know, that somebody in their family died, that uh, they suddenly discovered a, a, a form of cancer that they didn't realize, quote unquote, realize that they had. Um, yeah, the doctors would tell you, oh, that, oh, that, that cancer is from uh, something genetic from 30 years ago. Again, that's, it's just, that's pseudoscience. They don't actually, it's a story. It's a story that, that, that people are told um, that's not actually backed up by science. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out what's going on. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, if you want to let the people know how to find your movie and how to get a hold of you if they have any questions or anything, your information, it was glad to have you on the show. Yeah, man. Thank you. I, I know I'm probably a little intense, but I, uh, I really appreciate the chance to uh, speak about this. And um, I, uh, I do hope that, um, that people can come, can uh, come see the doc series. And, um, and there's a lot of other great material besides my doc series, but um, there's tons out there. Once, as I said, once you kind of open the door on this, you, I, I found that it's one of the most interesting things I've ever um one of the most interesting stories I've ever discovered. Um, so the, the doc can be uh, found at theviraldelusion.com. Again, theviraldelusion.com. And, um, you know, there's an email address on there. If you have questions after seeing the doc, you can check it out. Um, you can also go to iconic.com, uh, I-C-K-O-N-I-C-K, I think, um, and sign up for, for that streaming service uh, where you can see the documentary. Um, but, uh, if, you know, if you come to our website, the first two and a half hours, uh, is free and, uh, it's only like 1199 if you want to watch the other five hours. Um, and, uh, you know, we tried to make it like a Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson kind of, you know, punch, 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 punch full of information. And, um, and, uh, so that really people, um, can just start to get a breath of fresh air from all the nonsense that's on the mainstream news. All right. Well, we greatly appreciate it. And you have a wonderful day. Uh, you too, Tim. Thanks again. Mm, bye. And that's our show for the evening, folks. I hope you guys enjoyed talking to Mike Wellich as much as I did. And I hope that you go check out his movie, The Viral Delusion. I watched it. It's definitely a very, very good movie. Very eye-opening, very awakening. Um, and... Like he said, he wants you to hear this information so much that he's willing to give you the first two and a half hours for free. If you just go to theviraldelusion.com, you can watch the first two and a half hours. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. So with that being said, folks, all links will be in the description. And I hope you tune in next time here on Conversations After Dark.